isn't associated to the talk, but it's more an encouragement to you as the chapel. Don't quite know how to describe it, and to some people this will sound very weird, but while I was praying for the chapel this morning, I heard the sound of a train going through train tracks, and the old school train, and just the and really felt God was saying momentum is building. There is momentum building. And there's such a distinct noise with that train that's, yeah, very distinct. But I do feel the train of his spirit is starting to move off the platform and start to gather momentum. And so just to encourage you, yeah, momentum is here and momentum is coming. But let's get stuck in to this passage of scripture. Don't worry, we won't be looking at all 18 verses. That would be quite a job. And instead, I thought we'd jump just straight to verse 1, because it's within this first verse of the chapter that we are provided with the direction of this next segment of the Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. To ensure we are not practising our righteousness in front of other people to be seen by them. In my notes, I have that bit underlined, to be seen by them. This is the crux, this is the core of this part of the sermon. And within this section of the sermon, there are three topics explored. Giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. And it's all about, are you going to do it privately? Are you going to do it quietly? Or are you going to do it so that you're seen? So that you're heard? And we are going to zoom in and focus mostly on one verse this morning. Of all 18 verses, I figured one verse stood out to me in the preparation And the title for this morning's talk is not as L'Oreal would have you believe, because you're worth it, but rather because he's worth it. And that is going to be verse 6. Verse 6 will be our main focus this morning, but I thought it would be important to go to verse 5 first, because we have the two very different types of people. And so in verse 5, we read, and it's immediate how quick. Jesus is to the point, how straight to the point he is. He does not delay. How easy it is for us to just skim through these verses, but really in them, our attention should be awakened and our hearts stirred. Jesus begins by saying, when you pray. It is the call of a follower of Jesus, not if you pray, but when. And then he says, do not be like the hypocrites. I finished in May two years of theological study. And one of my highlights was looking at Greek and Hebrew and how much depth they bring to scripture. And so there are two occasions this morning where I'm going to refer to the original Greek in this passage as it adds a depth of a depth and insight further into the heart of Jesus. And the first is now. The word for hypocrite used by Jesus comes from a Greek for acting, 
when one puts on a performance. Jesus is challenging the Pharisees here that they have fallen into creating prayer into a performance rather than a privilege. They have chosen pride over piety. Those that Jesus is speaking about love to pray publicly, but the key concern to Jesus is not this. It is that they are doing it to be seen by others. The religious way of praying is to be seen. So often the Christian way is to be secret. Our persecuted brothers and sisters have to do it in secret. We too are called to secret prayer lives. Because remember, God does not only see the outside appearance. He doesn't just see me like this. He sees our hearts too. And I'm not talking about the muscle that's hopefully beating this morning. I'm talking about the core, the very core of who you are. God doesn't just see this, he sees the very depths of you. And behind all prayer lies the conversation, but let's not forget God initiates it. In Psalm 27, verse 8, in the New Living Translation, we read, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. God is saying to you this morning, come and talk with me. And wouldn't it be amazing if our hearts daily, hourly responded, Lord, I am coming. Because you came to me. Those that pray to be seen by others have, as Jesus says, received their reward in full. Where they seem, that seemed to be their agenda, didn't it? To be seen. That's their reward. So they've succeeded. But that is it. I'd hate for that to be my prayer life. That the only reward I got was an occasional, that was such a lovely prayer. Thank you for praying for that. I don't know about you, but that seems quite shallow. When God calls us so much deeper. In so many ways, but I think our prayer life is often the first thing to go. If our prayer life, and I'm talking to myself here, don't worry, challenging myself. But if our prayer life is shallow, how can we expect the rest of it to be deep? And there are days where my prayer life is shallow and I see it in how I am. I see how I change when I've had that shallow moment. And then you see the difference when you go deeper. And you want to be like that all the time. And it's only with God's spirit that we can be like it all the time. We can't do it on our own. The point is that we're depending on God to be the depth and to bring the depth. However, I do want to, before going into verse 6, in greater depth, it is important to stress that Jesus is not forbidding public prayer by any means in what he says. If all our praying was to be kept secret, there would be no need for church going, there'd be no need for family prayers, or even prayer meetings. 
In fact, there are numerous occasions in the scriptures where praying together is endorsed and encouraged. I'll say three now. Matthew 18, verse 20, which is probably the most well-known one. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And the third, Acts 2.42, the early church, reading that in my daily Bible reading at the minute and feeling like, why am we not seeing this now? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It doesn't say they prayed every now and again. They devoted themselves to it. Are we devoted to prayer? Or maybe that's why we're not seeing things happen. Maybe that's why we're not seeing things change. And so verse 6, our main focus this morning, says, but when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I thought I'd try and be as helpful as possible here and thought I'd split this verse into three parts, which are go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. We so easily overcomplicate Jesus' teaching. And that's partly why I'd like to Simplify the segments that we have. And so to start, go into your room. And this suggested to me an intentionality. It suggests an action. It suggests a separation from the norm. And I want to clarify and address one thing, though. Some of us may not have a private room. On average, we share our space with four people. Um, When you live in Hong Kong, this goes up to eight. Private space is rare. And I really, really do get that. And I love, I read R.T. Kendall's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And he argued that even Jesus will have struggled to apply this teaching literally. It says in Matthew 8 verse 20, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds and nests, but the Son of Man... Has no place to rest his head. I think Jesus is talking about a private prayer life, that secret prayer life, that intimate prayer life. And in today's society, it seems that there is a scarcity of privacy. Everybody knows everything. And I don't think social media has helped with this. There's such a pressure to put a post up, put a story up. When we're called to privacy. However, the second word worth exploring in the ancient Greek is the word room, used here by Jesus. And I love this. The ancient Greek word for room used here was used for a storeroom, but a storeroom where treasure was kept. And that was a key point I wanted to bring this morning. That when we pray, when we go into that room, when we have that set-apart time with God, there is treasure waiting. There is treasure waiting for you this morning. Because he's worth it. 
And the second instruction by Jesus is to close the door. To find, discover, uncover and experience the treasures of God, we need to close the door. Close the door of distraction and disruption, even if it's five minutes a day. Synagogues and street corners seen by man, behind closed doors seen by God. Smith Wigglesworth, the crazy man, said, It is in the secret place where God begins to unfold his mysteries to your spirit. I'd love to get caught up in God's mysteries. Because when we get caught up in them, we hear them. And I really strongly believe God is wanting to share his mysteries with us. He doesn't want to withhold them. He wants to share them, that we might share them. And that in sharing them, we would see more of his kingdom come. And so I'd love to have that kind of prayer life. I don't know about you, where God begins to unfold his mysteries. Because he wants to. He wants to so much more than we give credit. And it reminded me, we've been reading as a church, this great book, Church of Tomorrow, a guy called John McGinley. And he makes the point in a bit where he talks about waiting on God, that God is actually waiting for us. Yes, we wait for God, but God waits for us first. And that should inspire such a depth of prayer life. Yeah, I'm going to go spend some time with God because he's waiting. He's waiting for me. I want to wait on him. I want to be with him. And so Jesus' emphasis on secret could be, in a way, purifying our motives. And the third, pray to your father. I found it really interesting how when it mentions one who prays in the synagogue and the street corners, there is no mention of praying to the father. This suggests to me the depth of performance that Jesus refers to in calling the Pharisees hypocrites. That they've got so caught up in the performance that they've forgotten prayer is personal. Whereas those that choose to close the door and choose secret place over showing one's face are able to commune with their heavenly father. Pete Gregg, who is the founder of 24-7 Prayer, great guy. He knows quite a lot about prayer. If you want to read some of his books, I recommend all of them. But he says, a prayer room is first and foremost a living room. A place where the father waits for his children to come and climb into his arms. A place where the father waits for his children to come and climb into his arms. And I, in 2020, did a school of ministry. It was supposed to be in Canada, ended up being in Manchester. (laughs) I know which one I'd rather have gone to, but... The cool thing was, towards the end of having to make a decision on if I just didn't do the school altogether, and if I did, I really felt God was actually calling me to England. And so I said, okay, God, if you want me to do the school of ministry, you're going to have to bring it to England. And for the first time in the school of ministry's history, they moved it from Toronto to Manchester. And they've never done that since, and they've distinctly and very clearly said, we will never do that again. (laughs) 
but anyway, <laughs> it was on that school where we had Father Heart of God Week. And it made me realise that though I've had an awesome earthly dad, I could get to know an even better dad. And I remember in the prayer ministry, we were encouraged to ask Holy Spirit to reveal the Father. And I can see this picture now, and it's of a father and a son, and the son was me, but it could be any of us really, it could be a son or a daughter, but they're in a supermarket. And the son is walking alongside the father, and they're going shopping together, and then the son looks up. The father looks down, picks up the son, and shows the son what he sees. And then picks out this beautiful red apple. And this picture had such a depth to it. Yeah, you might just say, oh, it's a father and son on a shopping trip. But to me, it spoke of such intimacy. The intimacy that the father is after. That he doesn't just look down on us. He doesn't just pick us up. But he shows us what we see. What he sees, sorry. But when we choose intimacy with him, he will show us what he sees. And the fact that it was an apple, he shows us the sweet stuff. The fragrance, fragrance of heaven stuff. It's not just the mouldy apple that everybody forgot about. It's the best apple. And so when we choose intimacy with our heavenly father, he wants to show us what he sees. And that's one of the reasons why I've chosen to be a family support worker. I want to be able to show the hurting, the healer. I want to show the broken that they can be restored. And yes, I'll probably not be allowed to talk about my faith directly. But through little words and that depth of empathy, we believe in the Jesus that weeps with us. I want to weep with my future clients. And in Romans 8.15, we read that the spirit we have received does not make us slaves so that we live in fear again. But rather the spirit we've received brings us out our adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Because of the Spirit, because of that beautiful day of Pentecost, we can call upon our Abba. A lot of you will know this, but in Aramaic, the language Jesus more than likely spoke and used, the word Abba is used for Daddy. This speaks of the depth of intimacy and connection that God is after with us, his children. The father wants to pick us up, show us what he sees, and we say, Abba. And instead of fear, we are invited to be fathered. And I don't know what your earthly father was like. Might have been amazing, great, it might not have been. But our heavenly father is so much better. And he's wanting to father you. And if you're feeling fearful this morning, he's wanting to father you in your fear. How amazing is that?
Isn't he worth it? And so to conclude, let's jump back to verse 1 again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Let's not forget that it's Jesus' righteousness, his worthiness, his purity. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30, it says, It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Our faith is not to be a performance or play, but rather private and personal, out of which we will be able to share with one another and those that don't yet know him with power. It's about aligning our hearts, but we might capture the heartbeat of heaven day by day. Our Heavenly Father longs to know you better, display wonders before you and all around you, love you and fill you. It's amazing how Joe brought up the verse about God lavishing his love because it says here, 1 John 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And as Joe said, it's a lavish love. It's not a reluctant, here you go. It's a lavish, have everything kind of love that we would be called children of God. Your heavenly father calls you son, calls you daughter. Why spend time with him? Because he's worth it. Why don't we pray?